What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to your favorite health and fitness lifestyle podcast, Living Unlimited. Today was a special episode. We recently got a whole brand new podcast set up, so we're super excited to bring you better and better quality content as we continue to grow. On this special episode, we talked about some current events going on in the world. Then we got into some health and fitness studies. We went on to discuss tracking your nutrition versus going with an intuitive approach. Then we finished the show off by speaking on the differences between private trainers versus box gym trainers, and we know you'll enjoy this episode, so stick around to the very end. We appreciate you listening, and hope you enjoy. I'm not going to do today. Mm. I'm not going to delete an entire episode after we're done recording. That's what I'm not going to do. Yeah, that's rough, dude. That was uh, that was tough. Yeah, I was pretty upset with myself, to be honest. Um, it was tragic. I was screaming. I was shouting. I was very upset. How's your day? Going all right. Just started. Had some breakfast. Had some eggs. Had some porridge. That sounds disgusting. It was. Yeah, it was pretty basic, but it gets the job done. Right. Well, anyway, for those of you who... Actually, nobody knows this because we deleted the episode, but we got a whole new podcast set up, as you can see visually right now. Looks a lot better. We're in a studio now. We're no longer at the kitchen table. So, <laughs> so take that for uh, for what it is, and... Yeah, we should be should be getting a little bit more quality on your end from here on out. So, hope you enjoy. What's new? Um, NBA's back. Watching a lot of basketball. Is that right? Yes. Lakers finally got their first win. Um, Hold on, we forgot the ASMR intro. <clears throat> All right, we didn't need it from you, just from me. Come on. So the NBA's back. Yes, it is. Lakers are off to a bad start. Finally got their first win. So the first time we recorded this episode, they hadn't won yet. So I was really dogging on them, but right. they got a win. Melo had a real big game, which is nice to see because I think everyone's curious to see how all these new pieces were going to fit together. But um, yeah. I think they're they're on their way now. It's good to hear, bro. Yeah. That's great. LeBron's crazy, man. He looks the same. He's still dunking the same, still running just as fast. And I don't know. It's crazy, man. His longevity um, is super impressive. It's unmatched. Yeah. Unmatched really what he's able to accomplish in his, uh, in his elderly age of 30, what is he, 37, 38 now? Yeah, 37, 38, something like that. Anyway, um, only other person that can compare is Tom Brady, but he's really not um, throwing his body on the line like like Lebron. He has longevity for sure, but yeah, he's not he's not still performing at a super like explosive pace or anything like that. I mean, Tom has found a way to conserve, but LeBron looks like he's playing 
the same way that he was when he was 25, you know? So yeah. um, shout out to sports medicine. Yeah, for real. He is a, um, I totally forgot the word I was going to say, but you know, he's an anomaly. Mm, definitely. Um, yeah. Crazy stuff. What do you think about that uh, Alec Baldwin situation? He was shot and or he shot and killed somebody on set. That was pretty, pretty um, not good. Yeah, it's messed up. Super sad. It was a lot like that situation with Brandon Lee, Bruce mm-hmm. Lee's son on the set of The Crow. I don't know if you've seen that movie. That movie's dope. But, um, I haven't seen it, but I, I've heard about the situation for sure. Yeah, so very similar. Um, fire the prop guy, man. <laughs> like, what? Somebody's got to be held accountable for that. Yeah, I wonder how that works because, I mean, I imagine that Alec Baldwin won't be at fault. You know what's crazy? So, okay, this is totally off topic, but I'm drinking my normal tea right now. And the quote said, so yesterday I po- I posted this on my story. The quote says, I po- so I had my normal tea yesterday mm-hmm. morning. I posted the, the little tag on the tea, the yogi tea. And it yeah. said, I literally have the exact same quote on my tea today. It's, it says, the world needs your unique gifts. Don't leave them. Uh, don't, don't leave with them still inside you. And I got the same one. That's crazy. I got two of the same quotes two days back to back. That's got to be a record or They're something. They're really trying to tell you something here. Mm-hmm. Maybe you should uh, listen up, buddy, old pal. I think podcasting is my gift, so I can't leave it inside <laughs> me. <laughs> That's your gift. We got to share this info with the world, mm, bro. Gotcha. So I woke up this morning and our our goddamn heat was on. Which I wasn't really, I wasn't really that uh, upset about because I like a little toastiness in the morning when I roll okay. out of bed. Uh-huh. But um, that got me thinking. You guys are always making fun of me about being a, a little vampire. You are, bro. I'm I not actually, a vampire. I didn't turn the heat on this morning. It must have been our other roommate. Um, but yeah, Bryce likes to sleep with it at like two degrees Celsius in here. It's not because that's what I like. It's because that's what's most beneficial to the human physiology. So you have a, I, you have a coffin in there. A coffin, yeah, yeah it's yeah. pretty hilarious, bro. Good one. Um, I was doing some research. I looked up a sleep study, God. and um, here we go, guys. This is good stuff, guys. The sleep study actually found that um, there's a significant difference in your sleep quality when you sleep at the right temperature, right? And is it, it was a poll done by the National Sleep Foundation. They found that a cool room temperature was one of the most important factors in getting a good night's sleep. As with many, um, as four out of five respondents saying that this was important to them. And they actually did studies. They did studies on this. And it says that uh, approximately 65 degrees Fahrenheit is the, is the ideal temperature to fall asleep. 65. 65 degrees. 65, which is chilly. Most that's, people that's pretty cold. It is. But that's what we're, that's what we're humans were adapted like to. Like my, my nips are going to be hard. Oh, easily. At 65 degrees. Yeah, you'll be, yeah. They're gonna I'm be, ready. They're gonna be diamonds right there, <laughs> rock solid. Wait, so what are what are the benefits? They so that's the ideal temperature they said, but what are the physical benefits of sleeping at sixty five? So degrees? the the study goes on to say our bodies are programmed to experience a slight dip in core temperature in the evening. So turning the thermostat down at night may help with temperature regulation and signal your body that it's time for bed. So it's okay. basically it it. Whatever, you know, your deep sleep cycles, your REM, your stage four sleep, whatever that is, like, it's benefited by sleeping in a cooler environment. So if you didn't know that, then now you do. 
and there's no excuse. Turn turn that thermostat down. Well, bring that AC bill up. Bryce only looked this study up to prove what he does is uh, the right way of doing it. Mm-hmm. But we appreciate the information. That's good. That's good stuff. It is. So turn your ACs on. Sleep cold. I don't know if you guys can hear it, but there's a freaking weed whacker going crazy <laughs> in the background. But hopefully these new mics are uh, not quite that sensitive and they're uh, doing their job of filtering out all the bullshit. Yeah, I think we're okay. I think we're chilling. There was another study that I was uh, looking up uh, the other day. And um, it talked about children who eat more fruit and veggies have better mental health. And I read the headline and... Isn't that obvious? Yeah, that's I know. I, I read say, the, I read the headline. I read the headline and I was like, "Duh!" But it's crazy because a lot of people don't understand. They don't make the connection between what they eat and how, like how it manifests their in their body. Like some people are so disconnected from yeah, like what they put in their body and how that affects them. Like they don't think like yeah, maybe they understand that what they put in their body affects their weight. And things like that. But they don't understand how it affects their sleep right. and their mood and their energy levels from a cellular standpoint and like all this other stuff. So, yeah, the headline seems obvious. It's like, duh. But um, but yeah, that's what they found, that children who eat more fruit and veggies. So basically children who get their micronutrients in um, are significantly less likely to have mental health issues growing up. So. The study is uh, it's one of the first to investigate the associations between fruit and vegetables and um, uh, breakfast and lunch choices and then their mental well-being. So this was a study done in the UK with almost 9,000 children in 50 different schools, and the results were pretty conclusive that f- kids with their fruit and veg are smarter and, and healthier in the mental. I mean, not to take it to a political level, but I think like what that really speaks to too is like whatever's available in certain communities is really going to shape like opportunity for that group of kids in mm-hmm. that community. What do know? they call those zones where, uh, food deserts. Food deserts. Yeah, yeah. That's a real thing. We live here in LA and there's a lot of areas in like, you know, uh, you know, the, the not so good parts of LA where it's like, you got 10, seven 11s in every direction that you could look at, but you can't find a, a goddamn decent grocery store to save your life. So, um, yeah, that that is a big problem. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, food deserts are a very real thing. It goes like hand in hand with like redlining and mm-hmm. all these other like socioeconomic slash like geographical or location based um, right. social issues. Um, but yeah, get your kids their fruit and veggies. Otherwise, they'll probably beat you up. Well, they might not have the mental fortitude to do that. <laughs> they might not be able to. They, I don't think they're going to be as adept at picking up boxing. Yeah, as yeah, the other no, kids are eating they're definitely, veggies. They're going to have a hard time with that. Um, but, I mean, even for myself, I notice it with myself. When I'm eating at least a few cups of spinach a day, getting my, getting my, you know, my, my Brussels sprouts, my broccoli, my... My peppers, you know, fruits and smooth when I'm on my smoothie game with my berries and my strawberries and all that. I feel much better mentally. You know, my mental clarity and my mood is much, right. much, much better. So I need to be better about the fruit. I've been taking um, like a fruit and veggies, like a, the amazing grass. Mm-hmm. I've been taking that for the longest time. I stopped taking it um, when I was running into all these gut issues. I figured I should probably stop 
um, supplementing so much like refined, just, I mean, just processed stuff yeah, in general. Yeah. yeah, not just carbs, but just, yeah, refined and over processed stuff in general. But I realized I eat a lot of spinach, mm-hmm. but I really don't eat a lot of fruit anymore. Like yeah. as a kid, I did because it was around the house. Like my grandma um, was really good about keeping fruit in the house, which mm-hmm. I don't think I was as grateful for as I should have been. But now I realize I really don't eat that much fruit. Right. Um, I have smoothies here and there, but definitely could be better. Yeah, that's that's my main source of fruit is when I'm doing when I'm really on point with my smoothies. Right. Um, eating um, berries and 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 bananas and you know all that stuff that I put in a in a typical protein shake, but um, but yeah, I mean, I think anybody. I mean, it's not, it's, yeah, it's no, it's not news to anybody that fruits and veggies are good for you. So get them in. Uh, you're going to get a lot of those micronutrients that you would otherwise not have gotten. So make sure you do that. Factual. Um, yeah. Anything else on that? Uh, seems pretty straightforward. He said, nah. Nah. Seems pretty straightforward. Seems pretty straightforward, dude. Pretty straightforward. Speaking of fruits and veggies, um, and just food in general, you know, um, logging and tracking your nutrition is a huge thing that we've been having to bring up with our clients. We got all these new private clients um, paying us, you know, money and stuff to teach them stuff. Monies and stuff. <laughs> so um, so I, I just wanted to talk a little bit more about uh, the difference between logging and tracking your nutrition and then doing it more of like an intuitive approach. And I think both can be helpful, but I think that um, a lot of people try to they try to skip steps and they try to um, I think then intuitive eating is a big trend in the fitness industry right now. And so people are trying to jump towards the intuitive way without actually getting down to the bare fundamentals of what is what is what is it that's actually inside their food, you know? Yeah. What have you found, like, with your clients? Where do they typically lean toward? Do they do well with tracking? Do they want to have more of an intuitive approach? Like, what's the deal with that? I think it really depends on the person. Um, I think, like, what you're getting at as far as, like, eating intuitively, I think it's really important because, um, albeit we all hope and wish that we can track you know, our whole lives are always be on top of our diet. That's probably not like super like realistic or sustainable. Um, but I think if you haven't tracked your calories or haven't logged your food, doing that and having that experience and, and gaining that experience can help you eat more intuitively because mm-hmm. it might give you a better idea of, you know, those foods that you eat pretty regularly that you have several times a week, give you an idea of you know, how many calories they are, what macros are involved in those situations. And then I think from there, you, you know, can eat again more intuitively or eat more on the fly as far as like, hey, let me throw this with this and um, try I think to fill it's, your needs. I think it's almost a prerequisite. Like, it's not totally necessary, but it's pretty damn close. Like, if you don't, if you don't gain that awareness of like being able to look at your plate and see like, okay, this is about... Um, you know, 40 grams of rice. This is about 30 grams of protein and about mm-hmm. four ounces. If you don't have any sort of a reference point for gauging what is in what, you're you're not you're gonna have a really hard time doing it intuitively. Yeah, you're gonna have a you're not gonna be able to do it intuitively. So, yeah. um, 
So yeah. No, I think I think that uh, I think it's it's huge. Like with lifting as well. Like like when we're when we're trying to log food and diet. Like I think that gives us a better idea of like what we need without actually having to track it. And the same thing with lifting. Like you can be writing out all your workouts, and you can have you know, a periodized program going, mm -hmm. but there's a skill to understanding how to kind of, you know, work out on the fly or, you know, mix things up if something doesn't feel right or, you know, the plan changes. So right, 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 um, right. I think understanding your body just in general and what it needs. Well, I think so important. it's important because most people, so when we have like when for, for me, for example, when I have a client first start tracking, like I can almost I can almost guarantee right off the bat they're going to be under eating their protein and under eating just like we talked about earlier under eating their macronutrients um and then also like depending on what their goal is so if their goal is to to gain muscle and put on mass typically that type of person is always going to overestimate their calorie intake right. they're always going to be like okay I had um you know, if it's if it's something that's like 475 calories, right, uh, you know, maybe like 300 grams of, of rice or, or of rice or like oats or something like that. Say it's 475. It's probably a little high, but say it's 475. Right. The person who's trying to gain is automatically going to round that to 500. Right. Right. The person that's trying to gain is automatically going to round their their 27 gram protein serving to 30 or, you know, right. and they're always going to uh, bias themselves towards the towards the higher side. And then on the flip side, if you're a weight loss client, you're always going to give yourself the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, people are optimistic. They're optimistic. Yeah. They're like, okay, you know, this is only 500 calories, you know, whatever whatever the case may be. So if you're mm -hmm. cutting, typically you're underestimating your intake. If you're bulking, typically you're overestimating your intake. So tracking takes out all the guesswork, and there's no question about it. It's like you either ate yeah. what you did or you didn't. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I think for everybody it's a, it's a good tactic to do for a period of time just to gain that awareness, you know, a few weeks of tracking. Ain't never hurt nobody. And it's not as daunting as people think. You know, I think a lot of times, like, people that haven't written out their workout program or haven't, like, logged food or haven't, you know, tracked their calories or counted calories or counted macros or anything, it seems super daunting because mm -hmm. it's just extra things to do on top of working out, which is already, to a lot of people, you know, something really intimidating. Yeah. And so I think doing it, can kind of shed some light on you know how beneficial it really is and also that it isn't actually that difficult maybe it won't be for you maybe you track track your calories or you write a you know super strict workout regimen and that ends up not being how you want to go about it but mm -hmm. i think just like anything in life you gain that experience you know that's going to help you in some way mm -hmm. whether that translates to a different part of your life or it's just you now understanding yourself a little better and say hey that's not you know um how i am or what i need to do but you know imagine I, imagine trying to play basketball if you didn't know the rules right, right like yeah. imagine like stepping on the court and like having a ball you got your hoop and you're just like someone's just like here go and they're just like do it you just do it off, do it intuitively you take off with the ball not even dribbling <laughs> yeah exactly exactly you're like you're like do it intuitively and you're like okay i'm gonna do it intuitively but if you don't know the rules right then it, it's gonna be hard to um to put it on autopilot so but then if you find out the rules you find out oh i gotta dribble uh -huh. before i can you know w move around and shoot yeah 
Yeah, maybe you realize, man, my handles suck and I'm not good at basketball, but yeah. at least now you know. Exactly. You know? Exactly. So. so maybe my protein intake sucks, but at least now I have an idea of where it's at and what to do to correct that. All so, right. boom. But um, you were talking a little bit about people being um, insecure or, uh, uh, what's the word? I think you said insecure but about we- going to the gym. Um, getting into their fitness, mm-hmm. not knowing really what to do, which brings me to the point of private training over a bo- a big box gym, which I think can be a big source of people's anxiety. Yeah, like going to a big old box gym and just being ex- expecting to just like the analogy I just used. If you don't know the rules, you don't know what you're doing in the gym. You go to a big box gym and you got meatheads and people of all shapes and sizes lifting weights and grunting and slamming weights. You're going to be a little bit intimidated. Mm -hmm. So that brings me to the point of which is better, box gym training versus private gym training? Well, obviously we have an opinion on that. Well, yeah, I think we're probably biased. But also at the same time, I think like in the vein that you're asking the question, you're asking, is it better based on if somebody's going to feel intimidated or not or insecure? To answer that part of the question, um, I think it really depends on like, the environment and the people around you but to make it more broad what's better private training or training at a box gym for talking about personal training mm-hmm. um it's clearly like almost obviously private training 100 uh, percent um from from a trainer's perspective as well and obviously we've been learning this um firsthand over the last few months as we've made the transition from corporate gyms to to private gyms um, we're just spread a lot less thin. So we have more time to devote to each individual client because we're getting paid more mm-hmm. um, per client. So that time, our, our, our manpower isn't spread so across thin, yeah. so thin or we don't have our eggs in too many baskets. We mm-hmm. can put more eggs into less baskets. And you know I like eggs too. You do like eggs. And so we, we get a lot, you know, um, more attention to detail um and they're going to get a a higher quality of service Mm -hmm. from a from a private from a private trainer plus usually people that are in box gyms are usually in the first um steps of their training career that's Mm -hmm. usually a starting point just like it was for us yeah when you're a new trainer we're we're talking we're speaking we're speaking on trainers right now so if you're in the market for a trainer and you're thinking about do i go to the local we're not going to name names but do i go to the local box gym that has you know 15, 20,000 square foot facility. They got 10 trainers working underneath them. They got blah, blah, blah. You know, those trainers are typically, you know, the the, the really good ones are going to be few and far between at that, that type of location. You know, I think that you definitely can can find the diamond in the rough. But when it comes to getting that, that value and uh, that individualized attention, you're much better off going with the private setting because just like Peyton talked about, uh, we're, you know, that trainer is getting probably training less clients for a better, you know, value, better value proposition. So they're, they have, a they have, they're more invested in your success basically. So, mm-hmm. and put it, put it to you this way, like Bryce is saying is you're going to find that diamond in the rough, but all gym trainers might all gym trainers 
are going to go through a process where they're going to evolve out of the corporate gym. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are those guys, like some OGs, if you've worked at a box gym before, there's going to be that guy that's been there like 15 years and Mm -hmm. he's like, you know, stacked up the tier system to where he's doing all right for himself. But you you already, you always know who this trainer is too, because he's probably, he's usually a, (laughs) this is going to be so stereotypical. He's usually a, a older dude an older black dude with his back thrown out and he's walking <laughs> he's walking and he's walking like looks like he's mid RDL like he's yeah, doing yeah, yeah. an RDL but he's walking like that his arms are yoked his arms are fucking yoked and he's got uh you know he's balding with the you know with a little gray hair the little patch that goes around the side of the head type and thing he, and he's got and he's got abs but he's got a belly at the same time exactly, he's got yeah. both and we don't know how we're not sure physiologically how that actually <laughs> happened <laughs> but yeah so and and so besides that anomaly or stereotype that we've just uh created i think all trainers if that's going to be their career are going to evolve from the corporate setting Mm -hmm. and so if you go to get a trainer in the corporate setting you're either going to get a really good trainer that's in the early stages of their career right or you're going to get a trainer that's not going to make it out of the early stages of their career and so i think when you're spending that kind of money do you want to roll the dice i mean i guess that's up to the client but mm-hmm. at the end of the day you're going to pay a little bit more for private training but the investment and the value is going to make it worth it 10 times over absolutely so yeah so if you guys are interested um wherever you guys are listening to this from if you are in the la area we're taking in-person clients as we speak constantly growing our business if you're uh, remote we are now opening the doors for our online training you know we got all of our uh, softwares and systems to really help you guys succeed uh, get you the results that you've been looking for so we'll keep you accountable. We'll keep you engaged, give you a workout plan, give you a nutrition plan, um, habit habit uh, planning and all of that stuff. So hit us up. I think that's all we got for you today. We appreciate everybody for tuning in. Uh, I'm Bryce. This is my co-host, Payton. You can catch us on social media. I'm at Bryce J. Gibson. He's at Payton. Or you can check us out on our business page. That's Operation Unlimited. Or you can visit operationunlimited.com to find out more about our training. And uh Thank you all for listening. Peace.